and welcome to Crafts and Crime. I'm Amy. I'm Elaine. And today, as always, we have a craft for you and a crime for you. Yay, I did my homework. Yeah. She worked hard. I mean, we both did. We've been... It was a long week. It was a long week. It was long emotionally. The weather was kind of gross at the end, and that was a bummer because we couldn't finish what we wanted outside. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We did your chicken run. run. Yeah, the big one. That was kind of fun. It's the second one because mine is like half the size of yours, so Mm -hmm. we already kind of knew from putting together mine what to do, but it was just twice as big. Yeah. (laughs) And with heavier um, chicken wire. Yes. Mine was like the cheap plastic. Yeah. And heavy. Man, that thing, that roll was heavy. But we got it done. Just me and you. Yeah, we did it. Hooray. <laughs> but yeah. Happy Cinco so, de Mayo. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's the day we're recording. Yeah, on Cinco de Mayo. I can't wait to hear the poppin' neighborhood tonight. I know. And then watch it the one year that nothing happens. Even though my husband has to sleep for work tomorrow. Oh, but he yeah. sleeps. He just he sleeps through, like, everything. Yeah. So... Um, our neighborhood, we do, um, I mean, my neighbors, I think, celebrate Cinco de Mayo every year. They mm-hmm. usually have a big party. I'm wondering if the lady behind you is going to do oh my gosh, a big, because she, she did on Easter, mm-hmm. like a big party. So we'll see. It'll be fun. The weather's a little grody. I'm wondering if that's going to tone it uh, down. I don't know. Better than hot. That's very true. Yeah. So we'll see once people start getting off work and mm-hmm. coming yeah, home. Yeah, it's early. And, yeah, it's early when we are recording. So, oh, so I saw something cool that I wanted to share. I didn't even tell you this. I was on Facebook Uh and there was this funny article (laughs) and it's, I guess it started last week. Someone posted on Facebook. Not, no, nobody I know. It was like a BuzzFeed article Uh I saw. It it happened in New Jersey and like this person posted piles of pasta that were just dumped (laughs) on along like a riverbank. Or oh. basin or whatever. What? It was like, like more dry, <laughs> dry pasta or cooked pasta. It was cooked, what? and it was like five hundred pounds of pasta. Oh, that's shame. all. Like, look, all on spaghetti <laughs> monsters. Yes. Oh my god. It was all Creepy. all over the place. Like all lined up along this like river basin, okay. and so they're like, "Who's dumping cooked <laughs> pasta?" And then they find out um, that it was like a military veteran getting rid of his mom's stockpile of food after her death Aww. yeah so she just stockpiled a bunch of food and so i'm like but why would you cook it unless it, maybe he was feeding like the wildlife at least something could take I it i don't know it would maybe eventually would break, break down? down really <laughs> get out of my head well i was it, does it break down faster when it's cooked do you think because there's at water least in it could eat it it would mold and fungi oh, true. And then, yeah because if it was dry there's not a ton of creatures that really are gonna like, get into eat it. it would dry take a noodles, while, like weevils. I'm wondering if it was just all like. I mean, it looked from the picture like that a bunch of spaghetti looked, noodles. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, was it ramen noodles? They looked or, like, pretty not. But it was know, cooked. Little, so could you bit. imagine carrying all this pasta? Like, what do I do with it? Probably I'm just gonna garbage dump it in bags. The... I bet. Still, <laughs> it's so, so weird. weird. <laughs> 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 we tend to say the same things a lot at the same exact time. <laughs> But (laughs) this is very similar to um, what you hear on Mommy's After Hours. So if you like hearing us finish each other's (laughs) sentences and laughing, then head on over to Patreon and follow us. But anyways, 
uh, do you just want to get into that's your craft so, then? Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's all I had to share was some noodles. That's funny. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm like, clearly I love all the starches, bread and noodles. And- I know. Okay. Um. Okay. So <clears throat> I am actually going to do a little multiple part series. So Yay. this is what can be expected for the next few weeks mm-hmm. of releases. Um, And the first is going to be paper. Oh, yeah. And I kind of love the thought of this because doing the research y'all this is it's a lot it really is a lot I know and when we were talking like oh we'll just talk about crafts but I want to I'm learning as I'm researching I really am too yeah and it's like all the stuff that we're interested in Mm -hmm. but now it's like we get to really in depth yeah really get into it and uh it it, (laughs) I don't know why paper has been used through literally throughout time in history mm-hmm. um i mean writing excuse me writing has oh, been yeah. done yeah um and so as early as possible we found a way mm-hmm. and it's really gonna be a cool little thing this is gonna be a lot of timeline and i'm sorry but we're literally talking about it was so well documented oh that's nice so in my sources i will have a really great timeline that you can look at decade by decade since like 4000 BC. Oh if wow. You okay. want to do that, but yeah. it's intense. Okay. So the word paper comes from the papyrus plant in Egypt and it started around 4000 BC. They started making it um it looks like a it's very similar to a palm mixed with a grass. So it's a really thick reedy stem with like a big palm frond on the top and they would rip the stems apart and rip the fibers from the middle and lay these sheets out like you're doing paper placemat weaving when you were a kid with construction paper Mm -hmm. so you crisscross it over you do one direction then another direction and in between each layer they would pound it together with a mallet Mm -hmm. see just like gold oh i know i was just thinking yeah exactly they're pounding it down with a mallet and then they do another layer and they pound it and pound it and it was amazing and it worked really really well Mm -hmm. but over time those layers did separate and um you can see that in museum um specimens and exhibits the that it's really rough on the edges and it does tend to start to separate Mm -hmm. in those layers in 200 bc the first parchment paper is showing up and that is the skins of goat sheep calves i talked about this in gold beating as well yeah Mm -hmm. and um this process i didn't really go into it much is a, a heating boiling scraping they scrape it down over and over so delicately to the point that it is a tanned thin crinkly malleable sheet Mm -hmm. it's not parchment like we use for baking Mm -hmm. it was much different but it could be rolled up and um and so that was commonly used all the way through medieval times as well yeah i think weren't like some of the scrolls was that parchment or Mm, yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah um, in about uh, 105 AD, we have a little better history of some paper. Um, a man named Tsai Lun, in, he was a eunuch and he worked for the emperor. And one of his jobs was basically like as a, like a stenographer. And they would write on giant bamboo boards Mm -hmm. and they would carry around them in like a wagon and he was pulling them and he drops them and basically he's pissed because he it's there this is his job all the time 
And so as inventions happen, who knows how we make it up? He decides he's going to grab a ton of fibery materials. He gathers up silk, silk rags, bamboo leaves, parts of fishing nets, and he just starts boiling them. Mm -hmm. And in this process, he boils them, which is the process of maceration. Mm -hmm. And he would take out all these chunks and he just ended up beating them together into this sheet of paper uh-huh. it was not the very first time this had ever been done mm-hmm. but his was the most efficient hmm. so That's he made this process really efficient he was celebrated and he became basically part of the royal court and everybody loved him but really mm-hmm. sadly it only lasted for about a year a new emperor came into reign and because he changed the ways this dude wanted to have him arrested what? which would have led to his execution I know it's crazy. That makes no it's sense. Not, I am, For yeah, it's not documented paper super well, right? A better a type, form of paper. Yeah. Hmm. So, it, jealousy is a strange thing. Let me tell you. So, for some reason, I don't, I don't know why they even wanted to do that. It's still just something that's going to bother me. But mm-hmm. he gets into a nice cozy bathtub and he poisons himself. <gasps> oh no! And so that, that was the end of Siloon. So, thanks to him because he did some cool stuff with paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to move forward quite a bit. And at this point, paper hasn't changed very much in about 500 AD. Now Mayans have started there's This is evidence evidence Mm -hmm. um, that Mayans have made paper from tree bark. And this was another thing that was super common. We've been writing on stuff for forever. Mm -hmm. Tree bark, palm leaves, everything. Walls. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say like cave paintings. There was always a way. Mm -hmm. Um, in 751, the Arabic people have learned to make paper from um, some Chinese that they had taken prisoner mm. because these secrets were so well guarded. They weren't shared. It was such a rare thing. It was, the paper making skills were passed down yeah. and it was kept very secret. So it was a way that they were able to find Wasn't out. Wasn't that kind of the same thing like with silk? Oh, I'm sure. Like, yeah, just a lot all of, of these trades ended up becoming mm-hmm. so precious. They're precious commodities because they, you know, because um, if they you had it, then you could resource. trade it, and exactly. nobody else knows how to make it. Mm-hmm. So that and makes it sense. Becomes, um, you monopolized it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in 868, the earliest printed book was called the Diamond Sutra by Wang Xie, and was a 16 foot long scroll oh wow i can only imagine how long that would take to make a piece of paper that long. i know that's crazy in 875 china has invented toilet paper oh <laughs> i'm not even thinking paper like toilet paper <laughs> exactly but can you imagine oh gosh okay just wiping yeah. your butt with leaves Ugh. um in 969 china has now made paper playing cards hmm so that's i thought you were fun. gonna say paper plates <laughs> <laughs> in 1035 we have moved on and there is um a written journal entry from a man named Nasiri Khosrow mm-hmm. in Cairo and I um he was traveling and he sees this just makes me laugh we've always loved food paper packaging wrapped around street vendor food Okay. So we've always been trying to keep our hands clean. Yeah. Okay. And so <laughs> this is, it's funny that it's always been people selling food and wrapping stuff up in napkins. Mm-hmm. In um, 
1151 paper is being manufactured in Europe. Now this is crazy because this was something they had started to do when they moved on from parchment. Okay. They wanted it to be very um, bright and crisp. If you were rich, you had white paper. Mm. And it's kind of like this, the bread. If you're rich, you get exactly. the white bread. And, and this yeah. is what ties in a little bit as well to your your when you were talking about spinning. So they would use linen cloth mm. mm-hmm. because you know back then, as it is still today. Linen is made from plant fibers mm-hmm. and it was, you know, spin together and made tiny. They weaved it into fabric. So it is still cellulose plant fibers. Mm-hmm. So they would take the linen and they would boil it and water macerate it and pound it out and they made paper. That's crazy. Yes. And so this was also a continuation of when, you know, money was made of mm-hmm. paper and back in the day paper would have it's really funny because a little fact would be they would be like beard hairs and stuff in the yeah. paper because yeah. <laughs> people were spinning these vats oh, yeah. of boiling hot yeah. water so yeah, their beard like, hairs yes. falling in and so the richer you were hairs. the less beard hairs there were i <laughs> yeah. guess in your beautiful white paper because that oh, meant your linen yeah. you had a money enough to have bright white linen mm-hmm. which was processed the purest um I say um a lot. Mm-hmm. In 1495, the first paper mill in England by John Tate was owned. And paper is being manufactured the same way, made of linen. But they have started to add in other plant materials. But mm-hmm. it is mostly um, linen. And they would actually buy up people's old fabric to oh. make paper. So it was like early recycling. Huh. So once your stuff was too ratty, you sold it. And that was what people would have something called a rag bag in their house it was like old ratty stuff you put it all together so you mm-hmm. could sell your huh. linens um, as recyclable material you probably got paid nothing for it probably mm-hmm. <laughs> um in 1690 the first paper mill in the united states was in germantown pennsylvania by a man named william rittenhouse and something he did was he donated his paper for gun wadding during the American Revolution. Hmm. So for those that don't know, um, today it is still used. There's wadding, but it's a different kind. But back in the day, it took a really long time to reload a bullet. Mm-hmm. You had to put the black powder in. You had to put your little bearing ball of whatever kind inside. Mm-hmm. And then you had to jam it oh, down. Yeah. Like you, gotta you had to shove jam it down, it down with there. the wadding to uh, keep that uh-huh. in place. And also that worked as an extra projectile. Oh. So it's kind of interesting. Um, here we go. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep track of our notes. I know it's hard. My it's hard brain when we're like looking one. at each other, and it, then, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, seventeen ninety eight in France, Nicholas Louis Robert invented a paper machine, and this was, if you know what an old ringing dryer looks like so it's oh like, like with the rollers machine. here we go with the pasta machine gold beating <laughs> we're getting back into yeah. it yeah and so the paper manufacturing process was the same exact way and at this point this is going to be in another topic i'm covering too so i haven't gotten mm. into a ton of okay. it but they made screens and these screens would sift this product i didn't explain that properly that's okay these screens <laughs> would sift the product they'd pack it down uh-huh. pull it out flip it and there was your sheet I, of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this process was exactly the same, only it managed this long, continuous piece of mesh mm-hmm. that would dunk in the water, scoop up the pulped material, mm-hmm. and then 
ring it through these ringers. Oh, to like roll it, push heated. it. The ringers were okay. heated to dry it in the same process and scroll oh. out a long continuous. I was about to paper. say before we got to the heated rollers, <laughs> I was like, is it like the paper making kit we got for the girls? <laughs> yes, but it, it is. It okay. is. And um, it's exactly the same. Um as it is in that little kit. It's mm-hmm. just a frame with a piece of screen. A piece of screen. A piece of screen. A piece of screen. <laughs> in 1804, the first book is printed on machine paper. And it's Andrew Wilson's The Abstract of Christian Religion. And I will have a picture of that. Oh, okay. the book. In 1806, just a little bit after, in England, um, the Fordrenay's um made an upgraded version this is also what sucks about inventions they made an upgraded better version of nicholas's paper machine Mm -hmm. but it was so expensive because in 1806 it cost them six hundred thousand dollars well that's a lot bankrupt them because it was like what's that in today's money oh my god i'm sorry i don't even know but it's probably more in the range of like a couple few hundred million it's a That's, serious yeah. amount of money in 1844 paper is now starting to be made from tree trunks this is like such a new this is a baby thing yeah and i grew up in, in the pacific northwest you drive to the coast there's paper mills everywhere mm-hmm. it's the fart smell if you don't know what it smells like it's like sulfur egg farts Ugh. mixed with elmer's glue Ugh. because um glue is part of the process now yeah. and I'll get yeah i only grew up near a water treatment plant and we'd pass by it every time like it was on our way to church uh-huh. on the freeway we'd always be like who farted oh my god! and then gosh. like you know then you eventually learn like that smell and now my kids you know go into my parents house they know that smell because we have to drive past it to oh get to my their gosh. house see <laughs> yeah it's everybody has some kind of weird smell factory mm-hmm. um so the way that this is done is if you've ever seen a tree being sawed up, you know, the chunks of tree, they chip it away. It's mm-hmm. called the chipping process. Imagine mulch. They just mulch it up mm-hmm. and then they chop it up and they water macerated it the same way. But it was not a really great, fine textured paper. It was mm-hmm. pretty lumpy. And just 10 years later, they learned to extract those cellulose cellulose fibers using caustic sodas and they boil it at a really high temperature mm-hmm. and those caustic sodas it's still the same thing they do now um like and we're talking caustic sodas like um soda ash from lye mm-hmm. and products like that okay sodiums do it and this would essentially dissolve with chemical extraction it would dissolve the what we know to be like sawdust and it would just leave behind the cellulose which is really strong and it would mat together as they pound it and it just became strong and they would add glue they used animal glues in the day Mm -hmm. it smelled really terrible yeah and um and it's crazy because that's really it it has not changed that much the only difference is that these paper machines that we have nowadays are just on an extreme massive scale but yeah the exact same way and i know this wasn't the best explanation ever but it's intense it was way more than i thought it was going to be yeah let me tell you but i have a couple fun little paper fact doodads oh yay i like a fun fact (laughs) (laughs) i do too and i think i do really good on a trivia show (laughs) so a tree trunk is actually called a bola b-o-l-e bola a bola bola 
And in chemistry, the, they call the cellulose fibers linear polysaccharides. Polysaccharides. And that immediately makes me think of lime sugar. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> the older surviving <laughs> piece of papyrus paper mm-hmm. is from 2200 BC. Wow. And the oldest scrap of paper as we essentially know it to be as in the pounded mm-hmm. fibered paper was unearthed in the Fang Matan in Gansu province. It was part of a map probably is what they think mm-hmm. it's writing i can post that picture too oh yeah and it was dated to about um 141 to 179 bc wow and i mean if i knew those kinds of characters it's legible uh-huh. that it's crazy mm-hmm. so yeah that's so go. cool paper yeah i know i <clears throat> it's crazy when they find like ancient scrolls and stuff mm-hmm. and or just even like the oldest like you said that's like I'm not doing math, but that's a long time ago. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It really it's crazy, is. crazy, like, long time what ago. even now with um, paper, you know, and all the trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay, so it kind of made me think of when um, we had that tree that was cut down mm-hmm. on our street. It, yeah. Man, it, that woke us up, all of oh us, God, because like. Terrible. It sounded like it crashed into the house. Oh, it did. And it was at like eight in the morning. And like, I was awake, I was in bed. Mm-hmm. And. My husband was sleeping because he's working a weird schedule and you just hear it like bang on the ground and everyone got scared, you know, Mm -hmm. and my husband bolts up like it sounded like (laughs) something hit our house. And I was like, no, 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 yeah, yeah, I was like, no, 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 it's okay. It's just the um, tree trimmers. Uh, They're cutting down the tree across the street. And so he's like, okay, it took him a little while to go back to (laughs) sleep. But yeah, my oldest, he was like, man, that scared me. And yeah, but I know they like (laughs) it was funny because they chop it up, they chip it. And, you know, chop it. I couldn't think of the word. And so Uh I was telling (laughs) telling Jack, I was like, oh, you know, they were going to put it in the thing, like the chopper. (laughs) He's like, the what? I'm like, the chopper. He's like, the chopper. (laughs) Get to the chopper. (laughs) And he was like, come on. You know what it's called? I hate it when he does that. But I'm like, just tell me, what is it? He's like, it's a wood chipper. The wood chipper. I'm like, yeah, I was so close. But I know because I got a, a chip drop. Mm-hmm. what was it like two years ago i will never do that again <laughs> because they bring it's like an arborist whoever is cutting down all the trees they yeah chip the wood so it's mm-hmm. like mulch but it's everything it's all the leaves or all the pine needles oh my God. all of that and that's where we got all those big logs because we put like sure we'll get logs and mulch oh and it covered the entire driveway like the length of our house it oh was oh my god which is crazy we have forever. really long driveways yeah and it took us forever to get rid of it i was Posting people free mulch, free mulch, yeah. And that's how I met one of my friends. Oh, she came fun. and picked up free mulch. See, hashtag gardeners I know, so are friends. <laughs> I wouldn't do it ever again, but I met a friend that way. <laughs> and so she came with her husband and kids and they got some free mulch and we had just had some baby bunnies. Oh. And, um, and so I was like, you want to come see? So her and her daughter came in the back and saw some new baby bunnies and we started talking and was like, oh, I homeschool too. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and we're like, oh, let's, oh my gosh. let's connect. And then it turns out she's friends with one of my other friends. And they've been friends for like forever. It's so weird. But back to my original thought was like chipping all that wood and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, now we just, I don't, I don't know what they do with it. I don't, do they drop it off? Other- yeah, I don't know either. But I do know that it's really funny because I found out that our green recycle bin that the green one yes our green recycle bin the ones that we technically pay for mm-hmm. as part of our like i'm not sure how it works in other states but here we have like 
are trash and sewer and but they're like sometimes they're together and sometimes they're not and mm-hmm. i just learned they're not but mm-hmm. <laughs> so i don't pay that but yeah. it does cost different amounts per bin and we are giving them free things to sell <laughs> They recycle all of our greenery stuff and then they sell it as mulch. But they do also use it in like the, um, you know, the anti-erosion walls when they're Mm -hmm. planting those really beautiful flowers like on the side of the freeway Mm -hmm. because they do it for erosion management. They do use it there too. But it's like we're paying to like, here, you take this and sell it. Yeah, that's so weird. (laughs) You get rid of it for me. We're paying for them to get rid of it, but they make a profit off our garbage. That is so weird. And then Jack was just saying that our recycling doesn't even get recycled, Mm. which I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. I recycle. I'm really good about it. Anybody in San Bernardino County which is a huge county yeah yeah something's not going on right i know <laughs> but i mean what can you do other we're than- literally the biggest county in the entire world world oh my gosh <laughs> in the entire united states oh, are we yes oh i've lived here my whole life and i yep, don't even it's know the that largest fact. yeah the i amount, forget that fact the amount of people that live in this county outnumber the amount of people in the state of oregon that's crazy yeah there's a lot of us yep so it's massive yeah um well boy that was it sorry everybody that was a weird tangent <laughs> i know and it started off with mulch paper, paper to mulch to, to well, like i because i thought of like <laughs> all that fine. wood i'm like do they take that to like a paper place welcome to our brains i know again some this is your free full circle it does and this is your free mommy's after hours preview <laughs> exactly uh, <laughs> Oh, well, I'm going right. to bring us down. Yeah, I'm going to settle in Sorry, now. Sorry, I okay. know. I got to bring it there. But, you know, <laughs> nice one of us job. has to make us all sad. <laughs> once, <laughs> At least once a week. <laughs> at least we trade off for now. Exactly. But, okay, okay. I'm ready. Okay. So, my case is about some fires that happen in Florida. Okay. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. So, on August, oh, sorry, I'm pulling my microphone. Let me, sorry, let me get situated. Okay. Start over. <laughs> I say okay a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, on August 7th, 1993, all of this is going to occur in 1993. Okay. Just keep that in mind. So, we were like el- barely five, yeah, if that, yeah. like an elementary no, school. No, I was about to turn five. Oh. Oh, yeah, August 7th. Okay, I was already five, I think. I I can't do math today. (laughs) Okay, so on August 7th, 1993, at 4.34 a.m., a 911 call came in for a house fire in Spring Hill, which is located in Hernando County, Florida. Hmm. So firefighters put out the blaze and enter the home. And detectives were immediately called when firefighters found human remains of one person inside the home. The remains were of 80-year-old widow Sophia Garrity. Oh. She was found in her bedroom on her bed, and the entire room was scorched. And she was, like, so badly burned. There was, like, barely anything left of her remains. And um, I watched this show called Cold Blood. It's on uh, Discovery Plus. Uh-huh. That's where a lot of my stuff comes from. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the detective was saying that, like, it just seemed like there was just a torso and a head. Like, Ugh, there was, like, barely anything left of legs and arms. That- a fire can burn at like crematorium level. Uh-huh. Yeah, That's her insane. whole house was ablaze. So mm. there was like, Dang. yeah. 
the only way that they were able to immediately tell it was her, uh, other than it was her home, was that mm-hmm. she still had her crucifix around her neck. Mm-hmm. And she like never took it off, mm-hmm. so they knew it was her. Uh, she like wasn't even the type of person to have enemies, so they're like, "What happened here?" Mm-hmm. She like had just moved to Spring Hill, Florida, from New Jersey. Just a few years prior, so she had to even... get warm and cozy. Yeah, she's retired, and you know, and a lot of the people on her street were retirees, just like mm-hmm. her, and I think a lot of people in that area as well. You know, a lot of people moved to Florida where, yeah, it's warm. Yeah, um, she was known as the cookie lady by all her neighbors because oh. she would make cookies and give them to the neighborhood kids. Take so she it. was just a really sweet lady. Yeah, yeah, you know, she eighty years old and living alone and just sweet sweet lady Mm -hmm. so detectives investigated the scene like they would you know any other scene crime scene Mm -hmm. but there really wasn't a lot of evidence to go off of because the fire and then all the water to put out the fire so it just basically washes everything away uh however they did find a screen like in the uh, spare bedroom Mm -hmm. had been removed from the window and it was propped up by the Mm -hmm. bed oh and then there was a jewelry box found just outside of that window. Oh, rude. So it was like, was this a robbery gone wrong or whatever? Weird. Um, an Why arson dog. It? I don't know. That's so weird. Maybe, maybe, maybe they forgot it, it or, or like yeah. in the hurry of like, oh, the. Okay. Okay. So I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, it's weird. So mm-hmm. they're like, what is going on here? They also brought in an arson dog to, mm-hmm. you know, try to check for accelerants. And they did, like, the dog noted on one area but mm-hmm. it really wasn't a whole lot so okay. not a lot to go off of uh so with these like pieces of evidence they decided to like scour the neighborhood and talk to the neighbors and to like find any leads mm-hmm. and it only took them a couple hours for them to be led to one suspect 29 year old edwin mike caprat now mike's they they always called him mike mm-hmm. but caprat is his real first name even on the show they kept referring him as referring to him as Mike Caprat, but I'm just going to call him Edwin because that's his name. Okay. And that's like what all the articles kind of, okay. you know, when you search him up, it's that's what you're going to find. Mm-hmm. So anyways, Edwin lived across the street from Sophia Garrity. And he had actually dated her granddaughter at mm-hmm. one point. So he had been in Sophia's house before. Mm-hmm. And so detectives talked to him and they noticed that he had like a fresh cut on his foot mm-hmm. so I thought that was weird but they didn't really have a whole lot to you know bring him in and all of that yeah. it was just like they're just doing their rounds you know trying mm-hmm. to okay let's check in on this guy and let's look into him further so after looking into him a little more they find out that he had been arrested in Tampa earlier that year in connection to a murder and robbery <gasps> yes so it looks like we got our guy <laughs> but he was only convicted of using the dead man's credit card and he was given two years of house arrest for that crime Mm. so Mm. not connected to the murder just like he used the guy's card Mm -hmm. um i think the other guy with him like did the murder i have no idea i didn't look into that a whole lot but just he has a criminal past yeah so uh you know they it looks like we got our guy we're gonna bring him in Mm -hmm. but then the very next day Mm -hmm. fire investigators uh, revealed a trail of fire from her bed to an electrical outlet. So the fire was deemed oh. an electrical fire and not arson. Oh. And Sophia Garrity's case was closed. Oh. Mm-hmm. Just 10 days later, on August 17th, 1993, at 1.10 a.m., 
another fire erupted at a house on Spring Hill Drive. The neighbor stated he could hear a man inside yelling for help and for someone to call 911. Firefighters arrived at the scene, put out the blaze, just like the last time. Mm-hmm. And once again, detectives were called when firefighters discovered two people inside. An elderly woman was found battered behind the front door, and an elderly male was found in the hallway. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Miraculously, they were both still alive, though. Oh, yay. So firefighters were able to take him out of the house, and they were rushed to the hospital. Mm-hmm. They were identified as 84-year-old William Whitney and his wife, 83-year-old Alice Whitney. And their son was called and told, like, you know, his parents had been attacked in their home. Their house was set on fire and that, you know, you need to go to the hospital. They're in the hospital, you know, fighting for their lives. They're so old. That's so sad. I know. And he was older, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, he had it. Yeah, he was probably in his, like, 50s or He talks on that show and he just says, you know, it was awful to see his parents bloody and they were covered in like sand and dirt from being carried out of the house by oh firefighters and he was like it's like the pain a- of a burn just mm-hmm. i've never had a really really terrible one but i've had enough that sucked i can't oh, imagine yeah. it being that it never stops your nerves are just screaming yeah <laughs> and so yeah so and they were beaten they were yeah, yeah. so it yeah. wasn't just Ugh. fire it was yeah they were insult to injury yeah Mm. so detectives start to piece together what had happened so alice had been attacked in the living room she would hit she was hit multiple times in the back of the head and then william was attacked in the hallway and then the drapes were set on fire in a clear attempt to you know cover up the crime Mm -hmm. in the hospital alice starts to recover Mm -hmm. so she's getting better Mm -hmm. however she had advanced alzheimer's oh and wasn't able to tell the detectives what happened at all mm-hmm. which i guess is good she doesn't remember that's true so she doesn't but, have to remember that event either yeah or who knows much. what she remembers but mm-hmm. yeah so she was wasn't able to mm-hmm. help at all and then sadly william fell into a coma and never mm-hmm. regained consciousness and passed away mm-hmm. so detectives are thinking that all these fire or these fires you know mm-hmm. have to be related and obviously like they've had to be done by the same person the the mo is the same you know so um they start looking for leads and scour hernando county for anyone willing to talk and you know like all counties they have their fair share of crime you know and detectives are just hoping to find someone who will point them in the right direction Mm -hmm. unfortunately only less than 24 hours and only eight miles away in brookridge florida you know, Another like eight miles away from the last fire. one, mm-hmm. a call came in at 2 a.m. that there was a mobile home on fire. Oh, no. So once again, oh my gosh, firefighters so small. like mm-hmm. can't escape that fast. It's going to. Oh, my gosh. I know. So they, you know, firefighters put out the blaze and upon entering the home, they found human remains of one person. Mm-hmm. This was the home of 72-year-old Ruth Goldsmith. All so these they knew it people. had to be her, yeah. Just 2 years prior, Ruth had retired as a clerk, issuing fishing and hunting licenses <laughs> and moved to Brookridge from Pennsylvania. And sadly, Ruth was so badly burned that they couldn't tell how she had died. Aww. And once again, because there was a fire and firefighters, you know, their main goal is put the fire out. Mm-hmm. everything was burned or washed away yeah so all any physical evidence possible is just gone mm-hmm. um and like all the other victims like you said they're all old yeah you know and defenseless on top of that the worst kind of defenseless exactly and so 
detectives are starting to, you know, piece it together Mm because this is the third home that's been set on fire with elderly inside. There can be a couple coincidences that are awful, but like, come on now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, Sergeant Mark Ribbenbark was working the case and interviewed Ruth's best friend, Lydia Rydell. Obviously, Lydia was distraught, you know, Mm -hmm. over the loss of her best friend. Um, She told Sergeant Ribbenbark that she and Ruth were very involved in their church. And, of course, she's like, I don't know who would do this to her. Um, Once again, there's, like, no immediate cause of the fire other than a trail that led away from an electrical outlet. Oh, my gosh. So, once again, arson investigators ruled it as an electrical fire and not arson. So, her case was closed. Just like Sophia Garrity. (laughs) sucks. Yeah. The only reason why the second fire wasn't closed was because there was an attack. Right. So they knew. But this is like, they can't tell how either Mm -hmm. of these women died. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. So there really was like no link to connect all of them other than the fact that they're all old. And there was a fire. Mm -hmm. And they're all happening in a really short amount of time. Where it's like, this obviously has never happened before. At this point, it'd be like, somebody call an electrical engineer and check the power grid. Everyone's shorting out. Yeah. The lightning. There's a lot of lightning storms in Florida, though. Mm, True. But still. But yeah, just to go from an electrical outlet to the bed. It's like Mm -hmm. in, you know, two cases. Yeah. So 15 days later, on September 2nd, 1993, in the Brookridge subdivision, there was another mobile home fire with the victim inside. So another mm-hmm. one. So this is Jeez. the fourth. Sergeant Rivenbark is call- called to the scene. And in the show I watched, he describes how like he's he will never forget pulling up to the home that was on fire. Mm. Because the home was Lydia Rydell's, Ruth's best friend. Oh, yeah. what? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yes, the very woman that he had talked to just 15 days prior and consult her over the loss of her oh, best friend. Oh, no. So thankfully with Lydia's case, fire officials finally agree, like, there must be a serial arsonist out there, so they're a little more careful with putting out the fire this time mm-hmm. in order to help, like, preserve evidence. That's Lydia, Yeah, so it's like, I don't know how they can be more careful, right. but I think it's just not, like, full blast, you know? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're just more strategic. I have no, no idea. So, um... Lydia was found with her arms duct taped together. Oh, no. Yeah. So this is getting more as well, mm-hmm. more aggressive. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously a crime scene. Mm-hmm. It's not like, okay, even if there's an electrical fire, you mm-hmm. know, type of thing. She's not going to bed with her arms yeah, duct taped, right. you know. So Lydia Rydell was 79 years old and had managed a health food store in Philadelphia before moving to Florida. All of them are just Mm -hmm. trying to live their best life in the warmth. And as we know, her and Ruth were best friends. And that's like the one true connection those two cases have. Uh Uh-huh. That like, you know, other they're not connected to the other cases on a personal level like that. But um, so with all of this and all the similar things, it was clear that Sophia Garrity and Ruth Goldsmith's cases need to, needed to be reopened. Mm-hmm. So they decided to reopen them. About time. Yeah. It was clear that, like, there is a serial killer on the loose killing little old ladies. Yeah. And, you know, they're an easy target. And then 
there was the use of a fire to help get rid of any evidence and the community had never experienced this type of violence before mm-hmm. you know like all these fires and yeah. someone going in and think about the community it's a lot of retired people yeah, they're all so they are all age. the demographic yeah so people were freaked out so mm-hmm. they were changing their locks buying mace and even guns and according to a desert news article bill a 65 year old retired power company supervisor who he didn't want his last name used okay said when i got home last night my wife had every light in the house on and she was sitting in a chair with a can of mace it's a hell of a way to live yeah they were just freaked out and you know it's and it's crazy because it's exactly like you said they're literally all the person this person is going Mm -hmm. after where some serial killers are they only like brunettes or they only like blondes Uh or like you're old and you live in a house that You're can old be lit retired. on fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's so like they're scary. all the, they fit the profile. Anybody could be. Yeah. So they were all freaked out. Yeah. So with the fact that the killer was primarily, primarily killing elderly retirees, mm-hmm. the killer was named the granny killer. Oh, that's I know. gross and sad. So apparently there's another killer in Australia that's also named the granny killer, but, but I could cover him another time. Um, if I remember, (laughs) so detectives were receiving hundreds of tips a day, you know, cause everyone's Mm -hmm. freaked out, but none of them led back to their original suspect, Edwin. Oh, okay. Uh, he was, you know, the one that lived across from Mm -hmm. Sophia and dated her, well, in the past had dated her granddaughter Mm -hmm. and the fires were happening like all around the County. So they couldn't really like pinpoint like a neighborhood it was just really like eight miles away and you know 10 miles away or whatever so other than the two neighbors best Mm -hmm. friends uh so one one of the tips said to look at a man named robert mcdowell now robert was 39 years old he was addicted to crack had no job was known to ask elderly people for money Mm. and he was i guess obsessed with knives so and he had gone to church with his mother multiple times Mm-hmm. to the same church as ruth and lydia oh no so they were like well there's a connection to him to two of the victims and <laughs> so like, oh, detectives what? performed a search of his house where he lived with his mom and found duct tape oh i mean well, not I mean, I so strange like exactly i'm like i have a bunch of duct tape right like, all over um and so when detectives interviewed him, they told him the duct tape that they found at his house matched the duct tape that was around Lydia's arms. But Ooh. he was like, well, that's not my duct tape. It's my mom's. Like, I live with my mom. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have enough to, like, hold him, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. But they were trying to, like, you know, oh, the duct tape, it yeah. matches. But. Mm-hmm. So Lydia's body was autopsied, and in that autopsy, it revealed that there was pubic hair in her throat. Oh, no. Yeah. Ew. So immediately a DNA sample was collected from the uh, pubic hair. And during this time, that, like I said, they didn't have enough to hold Robert McDowell for Lydia's murder, so they just had to let him go. Mm-hmm. But they were clear that they were hoping that the DNA was going to match up with McDowell. And they would be able to, to, like, link them all and, you know, close it all. Like, this yeah. is it. Mm-hmm. But. Of course it doesn't. Just 24 days later, on September 26, 1993, mm-hmm. Alice Daw was found beaten to death in her mobile home in Spring Hill. Mm-hmm. Alice was 87 years old. 
Oh, gosh. And she just liked to keep to herself. She wasn't like Sophia, who handed out cookies, or like Ruth and Lydia, who were like really involved in their church. Mm-hmm. She just like kept to herself. Yeah. And so detectives were really trying to figure out if like her age and the fact that she lived alone was the only connection that she had to the mm-hmm. other cases. And the reason why detectives thought that this case was connected was not only because of her age, uh-huh. was because they found a burn mark on the carpet leading from an electrical outlet to her bed. Just a burn mark. Hmm. Like the start? So this time, the fire burned itself out instead of burning up the house. <gasps> evidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they had a house full of evidence. Nice. It didn't burn. Which is also interesting because that means more than likely they set the fire and took off. Yes. Whoever Thinking is. Thinking like they're it's not, just going to They're not up. sitting around because they're watching the fire. Because this has never happened before. So mm-hmm. why would it happen? Oh, okay. exactly. So Alice was found deceased in her bed, covered with pillows and a comforter. And during the autopsy. Oh, like extra tinder to burn with. The oh, body. yeah. Just like light it up because yeah. all of that accelerant, you know, and it it's hold just near mm-hmm, longer and oh burn the body hotter. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so during the autopsy, pubic hairs were found in her throat. Ew. Yeah. Just like with Lydia. They were the same color and consistency as the hairs found in Lydia's throat. So they were similar. Gross. I know. Yeah. So, yeah. This was a big piece of evidence, but it was not the only piece of evidence mm-hmm. that they were able to gather from the scene. There was a palm print on top of Alice's car. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it was like almost as if someone was trying to climb in or out and they like put their hand on the top of the car mm-hmm. to like brace themselves. Mm. So they were uh, like, good, we have fingerprints. Yeah. And they detectives were also able to identify the accelerant, which was rubbing alcohol. <laughs> So that's why it just burned out. Yeah, you know, it is not. It really super is super flammable. No, yeah, it evaporates so quickly. Yes, with it heat. does. But it's like I have rubbing alcohol in my house. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. he, the killer, probably didn't have to bring an accelerant to the scene. Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder. And all the other crime scenes, like, was he just using something he found in the house? Yeah, whatever like, was, he was just using, available. Like, a gas can or something, you know, whatever. So, yeah, he was using what was you available. You could soak something in hairspray. Like, seriously, <laughs> there's so many things. Oh, and imagine how many, like, I remember my grandma had, like, hairspray because my oh, mom yeah. would do her hair every Friday and she'd mm-hmm. do, like, the big, like, bump thing. The and big bouffant. Yeah, the big <laughs> bouffant. She had, like, the hairspray in yeah. the bathroom. Yeah. So, who knows? But, yeah, thankfully, this house did not go up in flames, so they had mm-hmm. all this evidence. Three days later, an anonymous tip comes in mm. saying, look at Edwin again. And the reason why is because the person that called in the tip noticed a car with someone fitting Edwin's description down the street from the last murder. Oh. So, yeah, he so Edwin. A little bit about Edwin, other than the fact that he dated Sophia Garrity's mm-hmm. granddaughter, lived across the street. He was a like a handyman, and he helped mm-hmm. his father with stuff around town a lot. Mm-hmm. He worked a lot. And interest, interestingly, all of the victims had been one of his father's clients. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, Edwin had a steady girlfriend, and he just appeared to, like, oh, I just work, and you know, I got my girlfriend and mm-hmm. stuff, but... Detectives really looked into him and decided to see if the fingerprints found on the car matched him. So, remember, they had prints from when he was 
arrested for the connection to that murder. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, uh-huh. Excuse me. So they had his prints. Mm-hmm. So it's 1993. It's going to take a little while mm-hmm. um, to get results back. So seven weeks went by. No more fires. Mm-hmm. But the results came back that the fingerprints on the car matched Edwin Caprat. So they knew they had their guy. So detectives went to a judge and got um, a bird dog order was granted. Okay. And what that is, it's allowing um, detectives to surveil him. So they could put a tracker on him. Yeah. Okay. So because they didn't want to spook him and have him run or whatever. They just knew like he's out there killing little old ladies. We need to Mm -hmm. trail him and make sure, you know, we can bring him in without, you know, instant um, an incident happening or whatever. So. They followed him everywhere that he went. They put a tracker on his car and so they could like visually see everywhere mm-hmm. he's going. And the plan was that's so to... interesting how that's legal at the same time. It's well, so weird. With probable cause, you know, right. it's like they had his fingerprints matching <laughs> yeah. fingerprints at a scene of a crime. Yeah. Too, yeah. So they uh, their plan was to catch him when he returned home and to then bring him in for questioning. Mm-hmm. And then during that, you know, search his person for pubic hair saliva fingerprints to like verify um and so they're following him around and that very night they're like this is it when he gets home we're gonna take him in edwin goes to a used car lot and trades in his car oh what a dick yeah so the the detectives that were like trailing him had to go into the used car lot and talk to the guy and like explain what is happening don't touch the car we (laughs) need to get our tracker my gosh and what car did he get? You know, verify. So we can find it. Yes. So oh they were like, great. Now we got to like start all over. And, you know, and Sergeant Rivenbach, or Bach, Rivenbark, he just knew that like there's going to be another victim by the morning. He's trading in his car. This is weird. Mm-hmm. And so they were just thinking, great, we got to start the whole surveillance all over again. We don't know where he is right now. But detectives got very lucky. Because a police patrol officer just pulled over Edwin Caprat. <laughs> so Sergeant Rivenbark was called and quickly, you know, went to the location where Edwin was pulled over. And when Sergeant Rivenbark asked him to step out of the car, Edwin simply said, what took you so long? <laughs> so he clearly knew he what was What a caught. jerk. Mm-hmm. So detectives did something a little different when he when interrogating Edwin. Mm-hmm. They decided to line the entire interrogation room with crime scene photos. Mm. Yeah, because so he likes his they knew and stuff. they knew it was him, mm-hmm. and they were hoping that would kind of pressure him into a confession. So even with all the evidence and the crime scene photos around him, he still denied everything. He was like, um, "No, not me." Mm-hmm. But the detectives like knew it was him. They just wanted a confession, yeah. so they're really laying into it's him. It's his last power move because mm-hmm. it's all he has left. Exactly, that's all he can do is deny. Like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm not going to give you mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. I'm not going to give you a confession. But about an hour and a half into it, Edwin said, "If you let me have a cigarette, I'll tell you what I know." <laughs> and there's no the smoking. power of addiction. Yeah, but there's no smoking allowed in the building. Yeah, but detectives were like, "Fine, fine, you can have a cigarette, mm-hmm. but you have to tell us what you know." And he did. He also said it in great detail what he did. Yeah, and he stated that he raped them, tortured them, and murdered them. Gross. So he confessed to everything, and then he said he trailed an accelerant from the bed to an electrical outlet so that it would look like an electrical fire. Mm. so 
detectives had their confession and their evidence to take it to trial. So, obviously, Edwin Caprat was convicted of all the murders and fires. Mm-hmm. He was sentenced to death and was sent to the Florida State Prison's death row. But. Oh, no. Just weeks after he was sent to death row, on April 19th, 1995, Edwin Caprat and one other death row inmate were stabbed and killed by two other death row inmates. <laughs> so he's gone. He died. Save those taxpayer and, dollars. Yep. And so because of his death, all the cases were like dropped and closed and the families yeah. were just like oh, relieved because he's gone. Done. And so, yeah, Edwin Mike Caprat was finally gone for good. My goodness. It's so gross and sad. Yeah. They're always, these are always gross and sad. <laughs> yeah. I know. Murder is never pretty. And um, the fact that it was, you know, can you imagine these ladies and, and, you know, gentlemen, because he died too, living your whole life, working your whole life and getting to retirement and moving and to someplace warm and end. you are murdered. Horrifically. You know, horrifically. It's not even just like. And your body is like basically like scorched like you you're not even recognizable it's mm-hmm. awful it yeah but thankfully it was solved and it's just kind of sad to think if sophia's case wasn't closed so early and they really did take more time and look into edwin and connection and mm-hmm. whatever i wonder if the other deaths could have been prevented or if just at the time i mean like i said there wasn't a lot of evidence at the scenes so there's yeah. not a lot for them to go off of but yeah so he's gone and all those cases have been solved obviously so that's yeah. a, at least a relief but you it's know for the true. families answers yeah. gives them answers so <sighs> yeah shower time i know i feel so gross. i'm sweaty uh, and me like, too we, let me tell you we sweat so much during these it doesn't oh, matter how much research yeah. but a lot of it too is like i don't know what she's talking about so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm this is i get like anxious because it's sad and it's really gross and yeah and i'm the one who has to tell crazy, it so yeah. i'm like anxious about that <laughs> and so yeah but anyways with that stay crafty and not cry me bye, bye.